Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceives the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down the accuser which accuses you before our God by day and by night but we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice. <laughs> Glory. You want to know why things look so crazy in the world? You want to know why? Not my opinion. You want to know why? When someone has lost their mind, they do crazy things, right? Someone who doesn't have the mind of Christ can do crazy things. But here's someone who's out of time and out of their mind. Listen, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil's come down unto you having great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. (laughs) But I'm in Christ. Amen. And you're in Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. Say, I'm in Him. He's in me. Now, if the devil could find you, he'd hurt you. He wouldn't hurt you, kill you. The reason why he can't kill you is because he can't find you because I'm in him. So people who are out of time do crazy stuff. So even during the storms of life, we were reading this in Psalms 91, Psalms 57 the other day. That when storms come, all you have to do is come to a refuge. Yes. Mm. Mm. Psalms 91 is different in that sense. It's not, it's not sword upon sword. It's just coming to refuge and rest because the storm is coming. Yeah. And in the storm, you're invited to come into the place of safety and into the place of refuge because the time for the storm has come. Mm. But you can last, outlast any storm in a refuge because you have more time than it does. He's out of time. I'm in time. I have plenty of time. This fool's out of time. We have plenty of time. We're here on time and it's time. Amen. You may be seated. Let the children go to children's church. Praise God. God is good. Good morning. Good morning. Glad that you're here. Good to see each and every one of you here this morning. Praise God. I think I want to skip around to Jeremiah for just a few moments. It's not really in my plan, but uh, I'm always subject to have my plan changed. Jeremiah 33, verse uh, 1 through 3, says, More of the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which I'll know us not. 
different translations um, say it a little bit differently. I think it's the ERV. God introduces himself. He said, hi, I'm, I'm the one who made the, the heavens and the earth. I formed it. I, I planted it. It was my idea. He kind of introduces him to himself. Then he says, hey, why don't you call him to me? Because I got some things I can talk to you about. I'm going to show you some things. You know, God's a revealer. He said, I've come to reveal some things, some show some things to you, to declare some things to you, and I'll tell you about what's going to happen before it's going to happen. You know, we have these people who call psychics, and some of of these psychics call themselves faith healers. There was a friend of mine who had one very close to his church, and I said, why don't we just go down there, and I'll talk to her. Let's see if we can get her saved, but if we can't, let's just mess with her. In other words, <laughs> I'll come here and you tell me, do you think I'm going to pay you? <laughs> huh? No. Let's see if she can guess that one, huh? Well, you know, he said, I'm God. I'm doing this thing. I made the earth. I made the universe. I'm he. So call unto me. It's an invitation and, you know, quite, a, quite an introduction of himself. And I'll show you some great things that you know not. Psalms, uh, Jeremiah 32, says it this way. It said, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jeremiah 23. Well, Jeremiah 29 before you get there. I'm sorry. It's all good. Let's just read the whole Jeremiah. I think we can do it in 40 minutes. We could quote this one without you know, without you looking at it, but but rarely does all of it get quoted here. Verse eleven, God says, "I know the thoughts. I know the thoughts that I'm thinking towards you." Says the Lord, "These thoughts are thoughts of peace." Someone say, "Peace." peace. My thoughts are, are not of evil. My thoughts are to give you an expected end. They that there it is, call, they, there it is. They that call upon me. We just saw in Jeremiah thirty three. And you shall go and pray unto me, and I'll hearken unto you. In other words, he'll listen. And you shall seek me, and you shall find me, and when you search me with all of your heart. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen for sake of time. Because I'll, uh, Jeremiah uh, 10, 23, but I'll be gone the time you get there. Oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. In other words, we don't have the ability without him to direct our lives. It's not in us, Right? Well, he gave us his word, and his word in it by the Holy Spirit and of the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Spirit is more than enough. Amen? Amen. So Jeremiah 23, and we'll end up there. Um, and I'm reading from verse uh, 28 29. It says, The prophet that hath the dream, let him tell a dream, and he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chapter of the week, says the Lord? This next verse. I've never heard hardly anybody preach on this. On this passage right here. Verse 29 said, Is my word, is not my word like a fire? Says the Lord. Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? The Amplified is even better. It says, Is not my word like fire that consumes all that can in, that cannot endure the test? It says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks in pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Praise God. Man, I enjoyed myself a while ago. I've had something I've been dealing with for three and a half, four months, and every symptom just left me. Hallelujah. Just totally left me. Totally gone. Hallelujah. You know, you carry something for a, fourth, a third of a year, you could get happy. Well, I was happy before I got here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whew. Man. Hallelujah. Enemy's out of time. Don't y'all feel sorry for him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we neither. Uh, you, know, you know what team he's on? There you go, the losing, the losing team. Hallelujah. Someone said, aren't you afraid he's going to hear that? I, I said it for him to hear it. Amen. I got the Holy Spirit. The beginning of the year, the Lord says, take possession. Remember? He says, possess the promise. Then he talked to us about the Holy Spirit being our partner. Do you remember that? So we're going we're gonna to go in this year, in the last five months of this year, five, four, months from out, four months from today to be the day after Christmas. I'll let you know how fast this year is going to go by. Right? So we're going to possess the promise this year. Amen. And it's going to be easy. Amen. Some say easy. easy. Tell you never say, this is going to be easy. easy. Tell them, say, don't, don't, don't prepare for hard. No, it's easy. Hallelujah. Money's going to come easy. No, we're not here to toil. The Bible said Peter toiled all night, caught nothing. Jesus got on the boat and said, let's go fishing. He said, I did that. And we caught nothing. We're washing our nets. He said, well, let's, let's go fishing again. Peter, just to amuse the preacher, really didn't want to. He was tired, wanted to go home and go to bed. But he did. He said, nevertheless, that is word. He went out and he cast a net. He wasn't willing to put down all the nets. He put down one net. And Jesus on the boat, the creator who created the fish, came to his feet. Because they wanted to come see their creator. And Jesus said, cast the net on this side. He cast the net, and it was so full of fish, the net began to break. And he beckoned, and he called for his, his partners to come and help him because his boat was sinking. Hmm? Hmm? Now, that's someone who has inside information. And he said, when I leave, it's going to be to your advantage. I'm, I'm going to send someone just like me to be with you and to be to your advantage for many reasons. Well, he's not limited to a flesh body. He can be with each of us all at the same time. He never sleeps. He said he has all wisdom. He has infinite knowledge. He's on your side. And get this. Someone said, where's he going to be? In Jerusalem? No. He's going to live in you. He's going to get in your innermost being. That means the Holy One, the author of this book, has taken you up as his address. You are the address of, of God. You are a God house. Ephesians 2 says you are the habitation of God. You're the dwelling place of God. Amen. Y'all heard that and you're just like, yeah, well, praise the Lord. No one in the Old Testament said, I am the, I'm the dwelling place of God. If you had said it, they probably would have threw you off a cliff. You, you are God's address. Wherever you go. 
Now you're not just one place. Hmm? You're a, a mobile throne. You're mobile. Hallelujah. Now, 2 Corinthians one twenty one says, Holy Spirit, breathe through men the Holy Scriptures. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Moved by the Holy Ghost. So here we see that it was the Holy Spirit himself who breathed out this word. This word. This word. The Holy Spirit. Some say, well, how do I know I can trust the, trust the translation? I don't trust the translation. I trust the one who, I trust the one inside me. Amen. Hmm? Amen. You know, how many know people that's looking for a problem for every solution? Yep. Right? Yes. Right? Amen. They're always looking for a problem. For every solution that you have, they say, well, yeah, but. Yeah, but this and yeah, but that. And that's their problem. What? Their butt. Right? It's in the way, right? So when we quote the Bible, as the, as the Holy Spirit moved upon holy men of old, he's the author of this book. So as we, as we are quoting the scriptures, as we're quoting the Bible, we're quoting this author. We're quoting the Holy Spirit. Amen. That'd be smart. How many of you know the Holy Ghost is a genius? He knows everything. That would make you a genius. Now, I know some people who think they know everything. Hmm? But the Holy Spirit knows everything. He's articulate, he's genius, and he's accurate. He's infinite, infinitely beyond any intelligence of anything or anyone in the entire world. So he inspired holy men of old to write under his influence and write under his uh, leadership. So it made them look good. So when you follow the Holy Spirit and you follow his plan for your life, you'll look smart. And if you don't, you'll, well, you know, hallelujah. Second, Second Timothy 3.16 said this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. How many like profit? Yes. How many have a business? Yes. How many like to write your business to be profitable? Yes. Well, Scripture is all scripture is given by God by inspiration of God, and the scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfectly thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Amplified says the scripture is God breathed. Yeah, I just heard it. Praise God. And that's not a snore, that's a breath, right? So just think of this. Just think of this incredible book that you have with you today. And you could do a series on what it cost from that place to this place for people to bring it to the place that you would have it on your lap. It costs many of their life that you would just have. And we have a number of them in our homes. Hmm? But it, it, it costs many their life just so that you would have this book. So the Holy Spirit spoke every word through 40 people sensitive to him. 40 sensitive people heard and got direction from the influence of Holy Spirit. 40 people in over over a 1,600-year period of time to have this book called the Bible. Why did he do that? Well, I believe he wanted to breathe 
his life into your life. Hallelujah. Hmm? You know, not, not everything that you need to know in life in the sense of the particulars are written in this book. He doesn't tell you whether to go eat at this place or that place. doesn't know that it matters always to him for something like that. But he's telling us things to come. I know even when I was dealing with a lot of symptoms, he said this has no substance to it. Now, that wasn't the enemy. The enemy had, you know, pick your grave marker. See, the enemy's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. So the least little thing, if the enemy could, and you had a cold sore, the cold sore is designed to murder you. Hay fever is to take you out. If he could, you'd have a headache, he'd make your head explode. But Jesus said, that's not why I came. I came to give you life. Life till it overflows. Life in abundance. Now, that's not an abundant life because a drug dealer could have an abundant life. The life he's talking about is the life of God. L-I-F-E. In the Hebrew, it would be the word Z-O-E, Zoe. Translating that would mean the life and the nature of God. Translate that even further we mean the life of God that makes God God he said I'm going to bring that life that makes me God into you I'm going to put my nature in you I'm going to put my life in you I'm going to put my essence in you and then I'm going to bring that in in abundance until that life that nature what makes me me is in you until it overflows and gets into somebody else's life I'm trying to think of something to be sad about. <laughs> Let's see. Well, I'll get back with you. Hallelujah. Can't think of nothing. <clears throat> I believe he wanted to breathe his energy to, and for his energy to be poured into you. The Bible says that God is the very strength of life. He is your strength. Some say, well, I need strength. No, you don't need strength. You already have him. Now just say, let the weak say, I'm, and let the poor say, let the good looking say, well, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) right? And let the football people say, no, don't go there. (laughs) Amen. He wanted his wisdom deposited into your heart. His wisdom. His wisdom. That puts you at an advantage. Jesus said when he comes, it'll be to your advantage. If you have his wisdom, that is advantageous. If you're going to know what's going to happen tomorrow, a lot of times before tomorrow gets here, that's to your advantage. If they could do that on the stock market, oh, could you see that? Hallelujah. He wanted you to know what he knows. He wants you to feel what he feels, and he wants you to see what he sees, what he's looking at. That's insight. That's insight. That's revelation, right? So the Holy Spirit gave us the Word of God Get this today as your special weapon. You you have been weaponized, authorized, deputized. Say weaponized, Weaponized. authorized, Authorized. deputized. deputized. 
to blow the enemy away. So he gave you the word of God, which is your special weapon. Ephesians 6 calls it the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit, right? It's the weapon of Holy Spirit. And we use this weapon against Satan and against every satanic attack. Every one of them. Amen. His words, his words are destructive words as a weapon. It's his words when we speak those words out of faith, out of our heart, that destroy Satan and cancel his plans and cancel his assignments against you. Did you know the enemy can go to work and you can cancel his assignment? Not fight him, cancel it. You ever tried to print something on a printer side you didn't want need it, you just hit cancel? And you cancel, you told the printer, I don't want to print this. Just cancel the assignment. So here comes Satan at you. You know, uh, I don't feel like fighting you. You don't need to. You've already been defeated. Cancel. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Praise the Lord. Glad everybody else is thrilled. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, if you keep all those hallelujahs in, ladies, you're going to expand at the hips. Men, you're going to grow another chin. So I'm just, I'm just trying to help you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Well, if you know, if you know everything, no one can teach you anything, just raise your hand and shout glory. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I had a man years ago, many years ago, my first year in ministry. And this gentleman, he was a good guy, but he came, he didn't hear nothing we ever said, nothing. And uh, I appreciate his amening, but it really got me to be more of a nuisance than anything else because he was on a timer. Like every 17 seconds, he would say, amen, amen, preacher, amen. Just like every 17 seconds, you could time him. So I told someone, they said, well, he's listening. He's excited. I said, no, he's on a timer. I said, I'll show you tonight when we come back to service. He came back, and I said, I went on, amen, amen. I asked me, amen. And, then I, and I said, everyone in here is going to hell. He said, Amen. <laughs> He's on a timer. <laughs> well, amen means so be it. <laughs> well, you're not going to go to hell, are you? Well, let's don't be it, right? Hallelujah. So his words are destructive weapons, and it's his words that cancels his assignments. Now, we, we know that from Luke chapter 4, when the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Remember that, Luke chapter 4? Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where he would be tempted 40 days and 40 nights. And in there, not 40 days and 40 nights, you say, well, he's the son of God. Yes, he was the son of God, but he was here as human flesh. He was here as the son of man. He had a body just like yours. He had a constitution just like yours. If you, if you could be hungry, Jesus could be hungry. If you could be sleepy, Jesus could be sleepy. If you could be thirsty, you could be, he could be sleepy. If you could be tempted, he could be tempted. So he came as your stand-in, but he had to come as a man. He, you can't redeem man unless you were one. So he couldn't pull special privileges and redeem mankind as deity. He had to, he had to strip himself of deity and become man. In heaven, he'll always be known as the son of man. He's the son of God, but he represents mankind forever. That's good news. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Because if Jesus could defeat Satan as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost, that tells me that I can defeat Satan in every tactic and every assignment he has against me as Jesus did as one who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, are you filled or are you half filled? Last week we talked about some people just come to church and they say, give me $2 worth. Well, you can have two, you can have a half a tank, or you could be full. You know, while you're on earth, you ought to live full and die empty. Amen. And when you're through, it's because you're through. Huh? Psalms 91 ends with a long life, he'll satisfy me. Well, if you ain't satisfied, keep on keeping on. Right? Peter said, receive the end of your faith. Well, if you're not at the end, keep on faithing it. Hallelujah. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, scoot. If you can't scoot, just uh-huh. <laughs> but with God, everything's forward. Praise God. Amen. And my mother told me when I was 16 years old, when I was doing things I had no business doing, she told me, she said, you can do what you want to and think that you can get away with everything. She said, but son, you'll never outrun my prayer. I didn't like it then. I like it now. But I know what? She was right. I never could outrun that woman's prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you've had someone pray for you like that for your life, you are a fortunate person. Amen. Hallelujah. She said, you might get out of my sight. You might get away from where I can hear you. You might get a place where I can see you. She said, but you'll never get out of my heart and you'll never get out of my prayer. So she told me, she said, won't you just give up? She said, it'd be a lot easier for you. <laughs> but I had something to prove. She said, you are going to be a preacher. The Lord told me you was. And I said, I am not going to be a preacher. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I wish you quit telling me that because I'll never preach a day in my life. Why do you say this to me? Would you open your Bible this morning too? <laughs> Praise God. So he was led there 40 days, 40 nights there in hunger and weakness and fatigue. At his lowest point, Holy Spirit was always with him. Even when he doesn't seem to be there, he's always there. He said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Never leave you, nor forsake you. There's a beautiful song. Christian, I was talking about yesterday. I said, I wish we could play it. I love it. It's a, it's a wonderful song. I said, I just need to rip some of his lyrics out and make a lot of people mad. What's the name of the song? Yes. It'll come to you. But it, it goes there and talk about how desperate we are for you. Uh, uh, we wait on you. That kind of, that song, you don't know the song. Um, we're waiting on you. We're here, we're here waiting on you. And we're desperate. Well, the Lord doesn't want you to be desperate. He said, if you're hungry, I'll fill you. If you're thirsty, I'll give you plenty of drink. Well, if he gives you plenty to eat, plenty of drink, what you doing desperate? He said, but it's a beautiful song. Yeah, it's a beautiful song that's not correct. Most of it is. Maybe I can fix it. Huh? You know, we can just take this and take that. And we tweak it a little bit and have the song. Amen? Because we, we want the presence of God, right? Now, I understand there's two sides of the mountain. God's always here, but I know God's not always in full manifestation of things. I, I understand that side if that's what she meant. Amen? You don't think God's in full manifestation all the time, do you? But he's always there. Yeah. 
You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Luke 5, 17 said Jesus was in the house preaching. There was no room to get in. And then you had the paralytic man who couldn't get in. And his four friends, remember, helped him get in the house? And they tore the roof down and they brought him right in front of Jesus' feet. Remember that? Well, Luke 5, 17 said, and the, Jesus was teaching and the power, uh, the power of the Lord was present to heal. But look at this. No one was being healed, but the power was there. So the anointed to heal and set people was free, but no one was tapping into it. So you couldn't say that the healing manifestation, of the, that it was there, but no one was benefiting from it. So therefore, it couldn't be manifested. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't want to sing a song about how I'm unwilling for Jesus to manifest, right? And how I'm so thirsty and I'm waiting for him to come. No, I brought him. Did you bring him? Yeah. Well, then he's here, right? Yeah. Now, if we just recognize that, then we get to enjoy the presence. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah. You know, there's just a lot of songs up there that's just, it's getting hard to find music. It is. You say, oh, I just, I just ministered to me. Why? It's three quarters of unbelief. See, a lot, a lot of times it taps into your emotions because of what you're going through. Then you get in the emotional realm, which is not true. Satan wants you to live out of your emotions. When you do that, you're, you're, you're asking your body, how's it going? You're asking your mind, are you still worried about what was yesterday? They asked Smith Wordsworth, but said, don't you ever, don't you ever, Smith, don't you ever get up one morning and not feel good? He says, I never, I never asked my body how it feels. He said, I tell my body how it's going to feel. Thank y'all. Praise the Lord. Woo! Preach on. Hallelujah. Hmm. So. Jesus, in that temptation, when Satan came to him three or four different times in that one chapter, and he questioned who, the very essence of who Jesus was. He tried to give him to prove out in the, in the area of flesh and reasoning, take care of your needs. You take care of you. Then he even questioned if you are the Son of God, right? He said, I, I know you. I see you're hungry. You know you're hungry. We both know you're hungry. God knows you're hungry. The angels know you're hungry. Why don't you just turn these stones into bread? Hmm? In other words, you come to meet your need. Good God has left you here. He hasn't met your need. Jesus answered him. And those kind of thoughts you need to answer. You don't need to sit there with those thoughts in your mind and let them take seed and let them take root and let them grow a crop and have a harvest. Jesus answered him saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word of God. How did he do this? With, with his weapon, the word. You have been weaponized, authorized, and deputized. Amen. Satan with that weapon was defeated and the angels came to minister to him and what they did, they ministered to him and they strengthened him. So I want to assure you this morning. I want to assure each one of you this morning that the Holy Spirit is fully aware of your life. Amen. Fully aware. Yeah. We've been reading Psalms 138 about how God knew me before my mother, I was formed in, the, in her womb. If you was paying attention to that, the psalm before last, that's, that was a, a, a psalm that was written about Psalm 139. So he's fully aware of your life. He's fully aware of every circumstance of your life. He's aware of everything that's trying to control your life and pull you this way and pull you that way. 
What I'm saying is the Holy Spirit has already ahead of time anticipated your warfare. And he understands battle. See, we, we, we see these pictures of Jesus holding little lambs, he's a, but he's, he's a warrior. Jesus is a warrior. And the Holy Spirit understands battle. Well, they have to understand it because they never lost one. I mean, they asked Patton, you know, that time they said, uh, have you ever had mercy on your, you know, whoever you're fighting, you ever had mercy on them? He says, no. They said, well, isn't God a mercy? He said, may God have mercy on them? He said, because I know I won't. And he said it with other words. He said, may God have mercy because he knows I'm not going to. They said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to kill him. May God have mercy on him. Well, the Holy Spirit understands battle. He understands what's confronting you. He's, he understands how the enemy has masqueraded this thing and deceived it to look like this. And it's not even that. You know, most things that you worry about never happen. Did you know that? You can learn that from a bird. Hmm. Well, Matthew 6 says, he says, look at today. He says, look at the grass of the field, how God has clothed it. Look at the birds of the air. That He said, they don't even store up. Yet God feeds them. Aren't you better than a bird? Now, if you don't really know, I need to work with you some. Aren't you more important to God than a bird? Yes. Does not God clothe them and feed them and protect them? Yes. How much more? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and those things get added per course. Amen. Uh, this is the kingdom life. Amen. Y'all okay? So I want to show you about this morning. He has already anticipated your warfare. He understands battles, and what's confronting you matters to him. What you're dealing with matters to him. Amen. You're winning this this battle, this confrontation, your winning is on his mind. Amen. So when the enemy's trying to paint you a dismal picture of your life, amen. One day I'll tell you what's going on with me, but it's not the time today. Amen. But he understands battle. Winning is his specialty. How can I say this? God doesn't need the life sucked out of you or for it to be pulled away. God doesn't need you as a sacrifice. Because he'll remind you, the enemy reminds you of someone who believed what you believed and they died. God doesn't need you as a, as a sacrifice. He gave us Jesus. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb that took the sins of man away. Amen. Amen. Someone said, well, don't you think we're ever going to die? Yes. Amen. And it's a beautiful thing. When, when death comes to all of us as a Christian, you'll never know it. Did you know that? You'll never know it and you'll never feel it. 
uh, you know, third, uh, first John, what is it? Two or three. So we know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. If you ever do a study on that, you'll see that means passed means picked up and passed over. And then if you read it in light of the other scriptures that talk about leaving this earth, going from our earthly body into the heavenly realm, we're going to be with Jesus. It's the same words as I'm going to pick you up at that time and you're going to pass over death. It's almost like two trucks are about to have a head-on collision. Right before they do, the driver gets picked out of the cab and passed over, and he never knows the impact. Now, you could look at his body and say, that was terrible. Well, if he's a Christian, he doesn't know anything about it. He's just in the presence of the Lord. So when death does come for all of us, Jesus said it would be a glorious thing. And one day that will be the last enemy that will be put underfoot. Amen. He's planned this thing all the way through. Hallelujah. So there's no need to be scared of death. Amen. And, if, and there's no need to be overly, you know, grieved about someone who's already went to heaven. Grief is an emotion. Jesus experienced grief. So it's not, a, it's not an ungodly thing, but the spirit of grief is. That's when you're still grieving over something, a person or, or whatever it is, or, you know, a job that you lost or a financial situation or a pet. You know, grief comes from loss. Loss comes because you love that thing. Right? But no one should have that much of your heart that you can't go forward. That you've got to take a half a year out of your life before you can move forward. That's unhealthy. That's not God. That's satanic is what it is. I can't function because JoJo left. Who or whatever JoJo is. That's, that's not right. You know, did, did you know that God understands that humanity because he made us? And in that, he told, he told Joshua after Moses died. And they were always giving Moses problems, right? But after Moses died, it said God, for their sake, gave them 30 days to mourn his death. And after 30 days, not 30 years, not 30 months, he said, hey, uh, Moses has died. Let's go. Hmm? Well, why would you be upset about someone who's in the, who's in the presence of God, who, who's enjoying absolute life? So our feelings are not for them. Are not for them. It's for, it's for us, right? Are you with me? Amen. But you need to run your course faithfully, and the Bible says you do it with joy. Say joy. joy. Now, there's different degrees of joy. There's joy one, <coughs> joy two. And then joy three, I mean, I might scare you if I show you what joy three looks like. You need, you need to come up on maximum joy. Huh? People drink coffee or caffeine drink or something to get a pick-me-up sometimes during the day. Well, you ought, to, you, ought, you ought to come in to the scriptures and get your caffeine load. It's the word, the sword, the spirit that man shall not live by caffeine alone, but by every word. That's proceeding out of the mouth of God. I woke up. I woke up the other night, and I, I won't tell you. I don't want to get into all this. And I woke up, and there was like something in the room, and said, "This is this," and you got so much time. And I said, "If you're so big, do it right now. If you're so bad, take me out now. Take me right now if you can." Here, I put my hands behind my back. Right. Do. Come on, if you're, if you're so bad, why wait till that date? Do it right now. 
Hallelujah. I win. I won. I'm on the winning side. Grilled or fried? No, it's good. It's good. I'm on the winning side. Praise God. So he doesn't need the life sucked out of me or take me away for a sacrifice. I'm not the sacrificial lamb. Jesus already did that. Huh? So he needs you here. He needs you here. He needs us here. Not, not that we, it's about us, but he needs us here. God planned to preach this gospel through people. He didn't give the assignment to angels. He gave it to us. So he, in that sense, God needs us here. I have need to be here. I think this church still needs me here for a while. If the word goes on, I mean, I ain't no big deal. He'll, he'll just, someone will come in and take the, take the place. Praise God. And I'm going to heaven. I heard Brother Copeland during the Believers Convention said, well, he didn't really want to, this 120 thing. But, you know, the, the only thing that you can go by the word on is the span of life we got changed to 120 years old. But we, we're, we're putting up signs in people's yards when they're 40, playing jokes. I'm saying, Lordy, Lordy, Joe Bob 40. Like you're supposed to go get you a cane. Right? You know, the Lord didn't really call anyone to do nothing major to about 75. You know why? They didn't have no sense. <laughs> huh? 40, 40 years of investment and he can't even use you. Andrew Womack said the other day uh, he was 20-something years in the ministry and the Lord told him one morning, he said, you're about to enter the first, phase of your, the first phase of your ministry. If you'd have died any day before this, you'd have come to heaven and never, ever entered into what I created you for. 23 years of ministry and you're in kindergarten? Oh, but look at kindergarten. Hallelujah. So if you're tired, just take some rest. But get your rest and get your weapon. You've been weaponized, did I tell you that? And after you've been weaponized, it's because you've been authorized. And if you've been authorized, you've been deputized. You ever, you ever heard of someone or saw someone who, who was devil-possessed? Yeah. Well, don't you know as Christians you ought to be possessed? Not with the devil. You ought to be possessed with the Holy Ghost. A lot of Christians, we, we, you can't even find any evidence they are. You ought to be totally possessed. Amen. You know, if Jesus was on the earth today, do you know what they would be wanting to do to him? Crucify him. Amen. He's not like your church service. Hallelujah. Someone say, I'm on the winning side. So he's a sacrificial lamb, and he did not leave us. Jesus did not leave you or this world. He didn't leave us comfortless. But he put his weapon in your hand and in your mouth and in your life. This is just a little bit of trivia. I don't know why I did this, but I looked it up and my phone made it so easy. So I just asked I asked this uh, woman, uh, Siri, in my phone. <clears throat> and uh, so maybe she's a Christian. I don't know. Uh, but I knew this. The Bible contains 66 books. Right? Which is, uh, and it, uh, she said it contains 1,189 chapters. The Bible contains 31,000 uh, 
31,000, da, 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 see, uh, chapter, books, chapters, 31,102 verses. The average Bible contains 789,650 words, not including the book of maps. So, that's God speaking to me directly almost 23 times every day of my life. Almost a word for every hour. The Lord calls you every hour, on the hour, 365. Oh, that's if you live to be 100 years old. You've been weaponized. Authorized and deputized. Here's five signs that someone is not word conscious. Five signs to know that someone is not word conscious. Number one, they discuss their warfare instead of the promise of victory. Their discussion is about not the is is about the, the fight or the warfare instead of the promise of victory. Number two, they discuss their doubts instead of their faith in with God. Number three, their focus is the enemy instead of the Redeemer. Number four, if the Word of God was dominating their mind, it would dominate their mouth. Number five, if the Word dominated their mind, it would influence their conduct and their behavior, but it is not. See, here's the truth. You and I determine our own focus. No one else can. You do. I do. I can choose my own focus. You could complain. You can blame others. Right? But really, you're the only one responsible for what you and who, what or who you give your attention to. That's called personal responsibility. So, your, your present focus, you see, is creating your present feelings. Whatever you're feeling is being produced by whatever you're hearing and seeing or feeling. So you can say it this way. Your focus is determine your destiny, the way it's going. <laughs> but the weapon would be Isaiah 26, 3, one of them. Thou will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Hmm? Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, my brother, think on things that are good and pure and lovely and of a good report. In other words, that are praiseworthy. These kind of things. And if you do, he said, the God of peace that passes all understanding will keep your heart in mind. Well, we quote, the God of peace does this. No, but he does not do that. If you just say God's peace passes your understanding, you would be incorrect. Because he first told you that you have to think on things that are good and pure and lovely and just and of a good report. If you're thankworthy or praiseworthy, think on these things. And then the God of peace that passes all understanding will guard and keep garrison your heart and mind. But if you don't control your mind and you don't call the, control the thoughts that's coming into your mind, then how, 
how do you grow peace out of turmoil? Right? So I have a part in that. Is this helping anybody? So my focus is creating my present feeling. So I can't blame God or the preacher or our friends or our spouse when we refuse to take responsibility for my own life. That's what words do. Hmm? God, God set it up that way. He created the world with words. Hebrews 11, 2 said, God framed the world with words. Your world is being framed by your own words. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. Death and life for you is not the power of my tongue for you. It's your tongue. It's your word. It's your choice. It's your decision. You are framing your world with your words. So, when you refuse to take responsibility for your life, you see, then you're going to get a result that you don't want. Amen. So Jesus chose to take the weapon the Holy Spirit gave him in the wilderness when Satan was actually there. Not in thoughts, but actually was there. Or someone said he wasn't there. I don't care whether he was there or whether he wasn't there. The process was still the same. Hmm? There's two different ways to look at it. Satan was there or he wasn't there. That's the whole discourse. But it, that's really neither here nor there. Whether he was actually there seeing him or not. Jesus defeated Satan every time with simply just the word. Just the word. See, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal weapons. They're not bullets. They're not glocks. There's not a nine millimeter. It's what? It's the word of God. And the full armor that's, that's discussed in, in um, Ephesians chapter 6. So he's fully equipped you for victory. Amen. Go to Revelation and we'll, we'll end up here this morning. Almost Revelation and Kings, if we have time. I'm going to read two verses here, 17 and 18 of the Amplified or King James or whatever you got, do the best you can. Verse 17, Paul said, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said he's the father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets into the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he's called you and how rich is the glorious inheritance in the saints, his set apart ones. I guess I'll read Two more verses. So that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for you who believe as demonstrated in the work of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own hand, right hand at the heavenly places. So Paul prayed that we would have an understanding, that we would have a revelation. Most people live by information. And actually most Christians live by secondhand information. Brother Hagin used to say. In other words, you get a revelation, you share with me, that's good. But I don't meditate on it. I don't make it mine. So I'm now dealing with secondhand information. So we read positive thinking books and we read this and that and here's how to do this and do that. And they rev you all up and that's good for a day or two. 
but it's not revelation. Hmm? It's not revelation. And Paul prayed that you would have an understanding that God would open your eyes and your ears and your heart to understand what he's already done. The church is praying, God, would you do this? God, would you help this? God, would you heal me? God, would you give me peace? God, would you uh, help my children? God, would you save so-and-so? And Paul's leading you away from all those prayers that's unscriptural. And he, Paul says, no, pray this for your child. Pray this for, concerning healing. Pray this concerning peace. Pray this. And he said, God, open their eyes that they may see what you've already done. Not do it. So if you can see that he already did it, then you'll come from a different perspective than trying to get him to do something that he's already done. Amen. Clary's Fluid says it this way. She says, information without revelation produces imitation and always produces stagnation. Natural information without revelation produces imitation and always produces stagnation. And now we will go to 2 Kings to end this morning. 2 Kings chapter 6, and we'll see this. We'll see this played out for a young man who has information, and his information is correct and incorrect. It may be a fact that you have a physical situation. It may be a fact on the x-ray. Someone was saying, <clears throat> a real person, a real situation said without names, and I said, what's the matter? I didn't, but the other person said, what's the matter? And I said, uh, I have two weeks to live. Well, why is that? Well, I've been diagnosed with brain cancer. I have two weeks to live. This minister walks and says, comes over to the person and they says, show me. They says, show you what? Show me your expiration card. Show me. Well, the doctor said, how do they know? Well, all their information. Oh. Says I, a, a physical body can do this. Thank God for the doctors. Thank God for how they can help us. Right? But... This is, this is information. It, ha, it, 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 it has no revelation embedded in it. Right? It has zero. I was in a hospital one time with a woman, and, and, and she was much better. And when I got there, she said, well, they got this, and they got that, and they got this. And she had just come to church for a while. She didn't know a whole lot of stuff, but she knew some things. But she, well, to be honest with you, she had more confidence in my prayers. She, she was just learning, okay? So she had comments in my prayers. And I said, well, how come you can't go home? She said, because my white blood cell won't move. It won't, it won't do what it's supposed to do. And she said, uh, I said, well, what's it need to be? She said, well, I don't know. I said, so if your white blood cell count was at whatever it needs to be, yet, they'll let you go home. She said, yeah. I've been sitting here three days, and that's the only thing wrong. She said, but you're here. Won't you pray? And I said, I'll be glad to. I said, can you find out what needs to be? She said, I'll let you know this minute. She called nurses. She says, I need to know what my white blood cell count needs to be so I can go home. They said, well, it's going to take a few days. But she said, no, I asked you, what is it? I just need a number. She said, why? She said, I, 
In other words, humor me, would you? Could you just answer my question? She said, well, I'll get back. She came back in 10 minutes. She said, okay, your white blood cell count has to be right here. And uh, she thanked her. She went out the door. She said, all right. She says, uh, Pastor West, she says, she said, do your stuff. <laughs> I said, I'm not doing stuff. She says, that's how she said it. She said, do your stuff. I said, okay, close the door. And I said, in the name of Jesus. And all I did was have a conversation with her body. See, her spirit wasn't sick. It was her body. So Jesus talked to limbs. He talked to fig trees. He talked to, he talked to withered hands. He talked to deaf ears. He talked to blind eyes. He, he, he talked to fish and said he took a two-piece fish dinner and fed thousands of people with it. So I just, had a, I just had me a conversation with the white blood cells. And I said, I command the name of Jesus to you white blood cells to listen up and obey me, and this is your new, this is your new number. This is where you are immediately. Well, we talked for a few minutes, and she said, well, don't go nowhere, Pastor West. She said, you can help me go home. She believed better than I was. And I said, well, uh, okay. So the nurse comes in, and she demands that I do another test. She said, well, they're not going to do one until the morning. She says, charge me whatever you got to charge me. If you got to charge me, she said, I want it tested right now. So I stayed there, and they, you know, they eventually done it. They just groaned and complained. And they came back, uh, you know, right after the test. And they said, we don't understand that. They said, your, your white blood cell is exactly what it's supposed to be. They said, we're going to prepare your discharge. She said, I knew you could do your stuff. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I went to Chilton County High School, and that's where they learned. No, I didn't learn another thing. <laughs> right? Because information without revelation produces imitation and always will produce stagnation. Now, here it is, and we'll finish here. So 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8 says, The king of Syria warred against Israel, and they took counsel with servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. So there's a war going on. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved him there not once nor twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that's in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that, are, that you speak in the chamber. Now, of, of the gifts of, the, uh, of the, uh, the fivefold gifts, here's an Old Testament prophet. Now, what is really, what is the main function of a prophet? He's a seer. He sees in the spirit realm, right? He sees into the future. He sees into the, to the present. So they said, you're making a plan to fight them. The prophet that's with Israel, with God's people, every time you go make plans and you talk about it in your bedchamber, he's seeing you and he's hearing you from wherever he is in Israel. Pretty good, huh? And our government has, has so advanced now, it's come up with listening devices. Oh, we're sharp. We're so sharp. Right? Listening devices. I was laughing at that thing. Uh, several people posted sometimes on Facebook, and they said, why is it? Why is it? We didn't know this was happening. Some of you watched this on News True Story, that the CIA... Our government 
has authorized that you can plant. They've planted certain things into your telephones and into your TVs that are listening devices, and they can hear what you're saying in your home when they're not turned on. True story, by the way. Did you know that? Someone asked the question, well, then why is it McDonald's can't hear me when I scream into the, the speaker, I don't want any onions! <laughs> so he said, will you not show us which one of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, None, my Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that's in Israel, he's telling the king of Israel the words that you're speaking in your bedchamber. Right? And he said, Now watch here. Now, here, now here's a guy that's real sharp. This guy can hear you from however many miles he is away, right? He has no listening device. He's a seer. Now, here's the best he comes up with. He says, Well, then go and spy where he is and send him. In other words, spy on him. Sneak up on this guy. He hears you from where he is to here, and you want us to go sneak up on the man. <clears throat> go and spy where he is and send and fetch him. And it was told him he is in Dothan, Alabama. <laughs> the only Dothan I know of so has to be Alabama. Therefore, sent he here horses and chariots and a great host, and they're all sneaking. This is your enemy, who's out of time, by the way. Came by night, encompassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host encompassed the city with horses and chariots and a servant. And, and the servant said unto him, this is Elisha's servant. Right? He said, my master, what are we going to do? Elisha said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they with him. Then Elisha prayed, and Elisha prayed for this young man and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. Now, what eyes is he talking about? Can't be physical eyes. Now, what he saw, was it real? What Gehazi is looking at, the horses and the chariots and all the army that's come to surround them and capture them, is that real? Is that a fact? Are they there? Are they, are they naturally Trapped and, and and ready for capture, right? Is that is that is that a fact? You agree? Good, we agree on this. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire round about Elisha. So <clears throat> you should never. You should never get off the weapon of the word to change a situation that you can't physically see. Don't change what you believe in your heart and start speaking contrary to what's in your heart because of what you're seeing or not seeing. Because here there's many against them but the ones that are for them greatly outnumber those that are against them. It does not say that Elisha saw them. We assume that he saw them. I don't think he saw them at all. 
I think he already knew they was there. He knew his assignment goes forward, and he knew this is now how it ends. So he just said, Lord, but he needs some help because he's already filled up his huggies. <laughs> Lord, open his eyes that he may see what I already know. And the Lord opened up his eyes and he saw there's more with us than there's with him. So those naturally came down to capture these two, right? And how did this man of God, who is a minister, a prophet, who's not a military person, who's not been trained and how to deal with physical weapons, how did he handle this? So they come down. Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, smite this people with blindness. Well, it wouldn't matter how many was against you. If they're all blind, you kind of got them outnumbered. Right? I think he came up with this on his own. Let's see. He didn't ask for strength to whip them all. Right? He didn't ask to be turned into Samson. He then asked for some spinach like Popeye. He said, just make them all blind. And instantly, every, everyone, every man who was there, maybe even the horses, who knows, they were instantly blind. And Elisha said, problem solved. And he told the young man, go change your diaper. <laughs> Take a note. <laughs> I told you, we had them outnumbered. There's more that's going for you that's going against you. Amen. Do not change. If you're on the word, do not change what you're believing and saying with your mouth because you're seeing something contrary to what you're seeing and believing. Amen. There's something called deceptive spirits, deceiving spirits. And if you go in Psalms 91 and you go to Psalms... 57, you'll find that both of those chapters invite you to come into a secret place and into a safe place to stay safe and protected during this time. Now, I, I may be looking at that wrong, but, but when I studied this and I did it for my own purpose, for my own, what that was going on with me, Lord said, I don't need you to fight. What I need you to do right now is rest. He said, don't, don't, don't fight this. This is real. This is here. This is serious. So what I'm inviting you to do is come into the secret place, into the hiding place. He says, because the storm's coming, but the storm will pass. Amen. It's from the enemy. He's out of time, but if you stay in the shelter, the storm will go past you. So I can outlast him. Hmm? Remember, he's come down with great wrath against you because he's out of time. But you ain't out of time at all. Aren't you an eternal being? Yeah, we are. <laughs> Think about it. <clears throat> how long do you have? You're an Miss Stewart, you're, you're an eternal being. How long do you have? Like forever. <laughs> Is there anything that you need to change? Aren't you already born again? Won't you be in heaven forever? You got nothing that got to change, do you? He's the one trying to change the outcome. So I can outlast him all every day of the week. So I think instead of working, I'm going to come to the safe place. Huh? Order a pizza. Hallelujah. Glory to God.